Welcome to the Falk Salem Podcast. Each month we'll bring you a mix of operational announcements and clinical pieces to keep you up to speed. Through our monthly podcast, our goal is to put the tools and education right in the palm of your hand. By keeping you up to date, we hope that we can empower you to continue bringing exceptional medical care to the city of Salem and beyond. Any and all material we release has been edited to comply with HIPAA standards. Greetings, hello, and welcome to this, the July 2021 episode of the Falk Salem Podcast. My name is Cole Van Epps, and together with my partners, Dustin Pearson, Bianca Paul, Chris Oakland, and Dr. Brian Clothier, we're proud to bring you this podcast that focuses on emergency medical education and the culture in emergency medical services. You'll notice that our format is changing yet again. Like most things, we are constantly looking at them and trying to figure out if what we're doing is the right thing for everyone. We've been taking some of the feedback that we've been getting from folks and trying to find ways that people might be able to make this podcast more useful. So for the next few episodes at least, probably for the rest of the year of 2021, we're going to shake things up a bit and we're going to change our format to see if it's a bit more palatable for emergency medical responders. So the feedback that we've been getting is that the podcast in its true bulk form of being almost two plus hours long is just too much at that particular point to try to process. And oftentimes people may start it and stop it multiple times before they can finish an episode. What we're going to try to do is help folks to navigate that just a bit by breaking up our publication into multiple small bits during the course of one month. We're going to try to turn out the same amount of product and still give you things like medication you know, spotlights where we spotlight a certain medication or something that you might come in contact with so that you can appreciate it more and know a little bit more about what you're writing down. We're going to break it out into its own burst. So if you wanted to listen to that section, you can run that file and you can, you know, appreciate that file. Any of our mini series things like we've been doing something right now with strokes and we just finished up our mini series on uh, EKGs and 12 leads and and heart related issues. Um, We're going to break those out into their own file. So if you just want to listen to the medical education pieces, great. You can just look for our either track A or track B. You can find those in their own sections. We're going to take other things, though, like Dr. Clothier's case reviews, and we're going to break them out into their own sections as well. So if that's the thing that you're most likely to want to listen to or that you want to get involved with, you can find those files individually and you can play them. Or even go back into the history and just play the case reviews alone. That keeps you from having to slog through a lot of audio to try to find the piece of information that you're looking for. And finally, we're going to try to keep our cultural focuses all in one uh, podcast area. So, in the Falk Salem podcast, you're going to find our employee spotlights, or pieces that focus on EMS as a culture, or insightful pieces that might focus more on or what we do every day. Either way, you'll find the same amount of content being released over the course of like, let's say July, and you'll be able to pick and choose the things you wanna to listen to or just play each file in succession 
so that you have the entirety there uh, that you can appreciate. So for this month here, we are going to be bringing you a couple of things. One, we're going to be doing our breakout uh, interview with one of our employees, a paramedic by the name of Blake Montague, um, and learning a little bit more about how he got into EMS. We have a piece on customer service that uh, we're going to bring you. Our focused spotlight medication is on Pitocin. Dr. Clothier joins us on this episode with a case review that focuses on benzodiazepine overdoses and the use of its reversal agent, flumazenil, or also known as romazicon. And our two big medical education sections here this month for our next installment on the stroke mini-series, we'll be looking at um, a review of stroke physiology and then looking at things that mimic strokes. Everything from infectious diseases to metabolic problems, neurologic problems, and how that fits into our scope with EMS. We're also uh, going to be bringing you a piece uh, focusing again on pediatrics, this time looking at pediatric burns. Kind of doing a general overview there, then also discussing the Parkland burn formula and the rule of nines. Thank you so much again for listening to us here at the Falk Salem Podcast. As always, have a wonderful day. I'd like to take some time today to talk about the concept of customer service. This concept is thrown out in many new employee training academies. It's thrown out in other types of training environments where we're talking about prevention of injuries or prevention of conflict between individuals. It's also brought up in healthcare quite a bit about you know, using customer service as kind of our basis of allowing patients to better enjoy their time spent while receiving care and puts them in a better mind space in order to heal. And this isn't a, like a new concept at all. Ever since I was a young adult entering into the workforce, uh, I remember I was working at a restaurant and there was a, an entire course I had to take on customer service. And you know, that's what they used to better sell their products and to have returning customers. And it's the cornerstone of a good business model is to have good customer service. But really, what does that mean? Like, what is customer service and how can we apply that to concepts in EMS? One of the most important things to remember about customer service is who is the customer? And it's not just our patients. You know, it's not just the person who is maybe buying our product or receiving that product's uh, benefits. In a lot of municipalities, your customer service is a service that's being provided to the entire city. Customer service may be how we're staging our ambulances to be ready to respond to an emergency. Because the community, which pays for that service, is expecting ambulances to be, what, there promptly? should be arriving to the patient side uh, quickly and with the right tools and with the right preparedness level 
in order to be able to render aid or render care. So customer service may include things like washing your ambulance or maybe doing a rig check and making sure that you have the right CPAP units in the right sizes, not just a one size fits all. Maybe customer service is being visible in an area so that people know and see the logo or see the brand or recognize that you are present. And by doing so, they know that they are receiving that product or that that product is there and it is there supporting the community, right? In other ways, customer service is perhaps what a patient might expect to arrive to their house. Somebody who is prepared mentally and prepared emotionally to address their medical issue. Maybe they've had the right training. Maybe they've had the right support in allowing them to show up and to be good listeners and not just you call, we haul sort of an attitude. Or we show up and it's two o'clock in the morning. Why are we here? Why did you call us again for a big toe pain? Well, that's not customer service. The customer may actually be the patient. It may be the family member who's watching us give care. It may be the nursing home who activated the 911 system, you know, maybe because they misunderstood something or misread something or they want us to double check something. And they called their lifeline. They called their safety net in the event that something doesn't quite make sense. When we show up, we're now servicing that customer, right? We're supporting other healthcare systems in their patient care. Consider an outpatient surgical center where a patient has undergone a procedure and something has gone wrong and that patient needs admission to the hospital. That physician may be there to give us some aid or some sort of an idea about what's going on with that patient who received an outpatient surgery. We arrive at that system because they called us because something happened outside of their capabilities to handle. If we arrive and if we are treating them like coworkers, if we're treating them like um, a colleague, if we're treating them like someone who's also part of the healthcare system, that's good customer service. That allows them to trust in the fact that even if they call us and it's something we have no idea about because it's so specialized, they called us because they need our aid in doing something. That might be the product of just being able to move someone safely from point A to point B. Maybe it's help in starting an IV. Maybe it's help in rescuing this patient and getting them to a higher level of care, right? When we arrive, well, why, why didn't they just go by their own car? Why did they call us? Why are you calling us? You're a doctor. Why are you calling us, right? Those sorts of experiences and interactions they're all based on customer service and recognizing in that particular case, the physician is our customer. By helping that physician accomplish his goal of working with his patient or her patient, we are also providing good patient care to that person who's here, who's receiving that care, who also might be someone that we're going to interact with, right? Good customer service might even extend to your relationship with other EMS agencies in our surrounding areas. 
Mutual aid agreements are one of the most important relationships that any EMS system or fire system or emergency response system can have. We all do not have enough resources to be able to handle mass casualty incidents. Or maybe just when the stars align and things get really busy, we rely on those relationships with one another to support one another. Outside of agency lines and uniforms, maybe even response districts or ASAs, ambulance service areas. Outside of all of that, we rely on one another. So when we activate those systems, we show up and we help everyone be successful. That might mean that you go into another agency's area and you support them during a particularly awful event or during a particularly busy part of the time, right? There are certain aspects of competition that always make us feel maybe a little bit strange, right? Maybe there are people we don't recognize and we get uncomfortable in those situations, but we're all paramedics and EMTs. And when somebody is in need, whether that be a colleague or somebody else who's out there, when they see other folks who think like them, who choose to get up every day and to do this job like them, we have so much more in common than maybe perhaps what we give credit for. And by being good neighbors and having good customer service, sticking out your hand and saying hello, introducing yourself with a smile, being reliable, not overwhelming or overriding other decisions that might have been made in those situations, just showing up and being an aid towards eventually solving whatever emergency or problem we're involved with. That's good customer service. That helps them accomplish their mission. It helps us all accomplish our mission of promoting healthcare and helping people who may be suffering or injured or you know sick in supporting their health and their livelihood. I doubt anybody got into EMS to hurt anyone in their entire career. Typically, you know, this career in and of itself is plagued by the same problems that any other healthcare industry is. People who are really, really knowledgeable and very passionate about getting in and volunteering to help others who might be in need. You don't stay in this industry all that long unless you're driven by those sorts of ideals, you know? And when it comes to customer service, you know, we may even have another customer that we need to pay attention to, our partners, or perhaps the younger individuals in EMS. Maybe not still younger, but how about new employees just starting their careers? They're also customers of what we're trying to do, especially for those in like a mentor sort of a position or a position of leadership or education. Our customers may be how to help our younger, more new, fresh upstarts in this industry, how to help them to be more successful, investing in their education, or perhaps helping to give them the tools in the toolbox that they need to be able to be successful, to ask the right questions, or maybe to avoid the pitfall that might take them down a dangerous path. We need to spend time perhaps with our partners and investing in them or EMT partners if you're a medic or maybe a, a, a senior EMT to another employee and helping each other to learn how to do things better. Maybe it's routing and mapping. 
Maybe it's just daily operations and daily tasks. Maybe it's just helping each other to be more resilient because our customers are all around us. And good customer service, it's more than just being nice. It's also being knowledgeable. It's being connected in a situation. You can have good customer service and still disagree with someone, right? Especially if it's on solid principles or solid things that need to be discussed at that time. But treating people with respect, listening, being a good communicator, and being empathetic in the moment and understanding that everybody is struggling with something at some point. And we all are human, at least most of us are. And we have, you know, things that we wish that we could improve about ourselves or each other. And when we start realizing that customer service is more of a team sport than it is anything else, we start also identifying maybe the opposite side of that, which is if I'm eroding the reputation of somewhere, maybe it's the reputation of EMS or maybe it's the reputation of healthcare in general. Maybe if I'm taking time to be more of a detriment, either because it's funny or that's my coping mechanism or something else like that, I might be setting the wrong example and I might be affecting my other people's ability to use customer service to their advantage. You know, the customer also might be yourself. And by being respectful and being respectful of yourself and being respectful of how you are addressing patients and how you are even thinking about yourself. Have you ever heard anything or read anything about your inner dialogue, how you speak to yourself? There's a lot of psychology that talks about the tone of voice or the way that you reprimand yourself or coach yourself or encourage yourself, just like any other thing, you are now laying the groundwork towards self-defeatist attitudes or towards uh, maybe a very poor reflection of what you feel like you are or who you are. And that's going to affect every aspect of your life for this point on. Learning to be a, a good customer, even along yourself, or even by yourself, also helps you to be a more empathetic or connected or realistic human being. Having the time and the wherewithal to say, wow, I made a mistake here. How am I going to prevent that happening in the future? And forgiving yourself for making that mistake and working towards making a better choice in the future or finding a way to solve that issue. That's how you become more resilient. That's how you become even better at recovering from those sorts of things in the future. Now, a lot of this sort of mindset comes from a course that we're teaching here at Falcon Salem. Um, it's through DT4 EMS. Um, it's a course called Escaping Violent Encounters or, or EVE for short. And some of the things they talk about in this class all come back to this commonality of good customer service. And they talk about it on the aspect of safety, that in a lot of cases, when criminal assaults occur or assaults against healthcare providers occur, or as things escalate on scene, there are ways that we can control that escalation through good customer service, better communication, being a good listener, being an empathetic person, just being respectful, that person may be venting, they may be, you know, venting about their frustration, they may be trying to communicate their emergency, 
They may have a mind-altering substance there in place. However, if I use good customer service in all of those cases, and a lot of times I can almost diffuse the situation or control the escalation of that by communicating well, maybe listening to what they have to say, explaining what I might need them to do, and then even you know, trying to encourage them also to be respectful of you and then requesting their help to try to figure that stuff out. In a lot of ways, this customer service can build the bridges between two people who are at odds with each other and they both have a common reason for being there. In EMS, that might be ourselves to our patient who needs our help and they need to trust what they're saying. By being a good listener, being empathetic, we can help guide that person back into a position where they're listening to us and gives us a point of encouraging them to seek medical help and to receive medical care. In the case of us dealing with a family member or a distraught friend or somebody like that, uh, maybe it's a family member of our patient or maybe it's a coworker, being a good listener, being respectful of their position, being empathetic in those particular points, agreeing to disagree or taking the high road and just saying, you know, now really isn't the time for me to take that low blow and pull out something that I've been holding on to here for a while. Maybe taking the time to realize that maybe these people are dealing with something that we can't appreciate at that point, right? But maybe taking the time to be quiet and reflective and just trying to be supportive. Those sorts of things can help us build the bridges even in those conversations and get that person to help us or to you know, control the escalation of what might be a very loud disagreement or what might detract from patient care. Maybe even just taking the time to sit down and listen to your partner, listen to their struggles, and encourage your partner to also listen to yours. Find common ground to connect on. Or maybe if you personally have differences kind of between you two, establish some good ground rules so that you don't step on each other's toes. At some level, you both are going to depend on each other, and in some cases, your lives might depend on one another. And that communication and that trust needs to be there. Maybe there's subjects that you two just can't talk about. That's okay. But establishing some rules and some guidelines, but then also actively seeking common ground between you two. Things that you enjoy. Maybe you both like Chipotle burritos. Maybe you like the same type of music. Maybe there is something that as a medic to an EMT, you can find that common ground on an EMS. Maybe you're really good at reading EKGs and they're just now starting in on learning about EKGs. Scheduling some time to allow that person to learn from you and to grow in their career, that's how we build bridges. That's how we support each other and promote good customer service. And you can almost guarantee that that sort of behavior is infectious. That new employee, that person is going to remember you in a favorable light. And if they find themselves in a position where they get to be the mentor, they might just try to emulate you in those points as some of the most important times in their career when they found themselves to be at odds or maybe be lacking in somewhere and somebody took the time to help them to become better at what it is that they're doing. That patient may remember you better as the person who gave them a warm blanket or who took the time to hold their hand 
or took the time to explain a difficult situation so that they might make better medical decisions in the future. Maybe that patient ends up on a jury somewhere and they see another paramedic and they're scrutinizing that other paramedic for the choices that they made in the moment. By you taking the time during that person's emergency to hold their hand or to care for their family member, perhaps also that person then in that sort of like a jury sort of a situation might look favorably upon paramedics or might remember the fact that when we're there, we're just trying the best with what we have and we're not evil, awful people. We're just people trying to do the best we can with what information we have at the time. If we turn that on its ear and that image instead shifts to someone who's arrogant, tired, someone who is got other places to be or better things to do. We left a bed for this. I left my you know, football game for this. I'm here just dealing with you again. Ugh, frequent flyers, right? Those sorts of things detract from customer service. And they also leave a really sour flavor in people's mouths or in their life. And when they call 911, they're calling for help in the moment when they might need it the most. We need every advantage that we can have in our back pocket to take those crucial moments and to get everybody pulling in the right direction or to be able to go on to a scene of a potentially dangerous problem and have people look at us and think of us as the good guys or the good gals, the people who are there who are just trying to help. That all comes back to good customer service. That all comes back to who our customers are and actively trying to make those relationships better and recognizing that every time we take a step out onto a call or we're driving down the road or we're interacting with the public or we're in the public's eye or we're alone with our partners or we're inside of our minds and we're talking to ourselves, we're using this concept of customer service. And there's definitely things that we can do that can improve this overall. Thanks for listening and have an absolutely wonderful day. Hello everyone. I'm excited to introduce to you our employee spotlight for the month. Today we have the amazing Blake Montague. Blake has been with Falk Salem for the past year and a half. He has a varied background, both fire and with EMS. With the dedication and experience that Blake brings to Falk, we're excited to have him here. Without further ado, here is Blake. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to have you here as well. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, so I guess I'll start with like a timeline. So I grew up in uh, around the Portland area, you know, played every sport under the sun. Um, after high school when I was 18, moved down to Eugene um, and ended up playing baseball in college there. Um, then ended up transferring to U of O, studied human physiology. At the time, I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, then I began sh shadowing physical therapists and decided, you know, this isn't really for me. Hmm. So kind of switched gears and, um, you know, really wanted to do something a little bit more exciting. Um, so I wanted to, you know, become a firefighter and become a paramedic. So physical therapist to firefighter. That, I, 
what? Yeah. <laughs> How did yeah. that come about? <laughs> so originally I wanted to become a physical therapist um, because my kind of like sports career ended on a, like a pretty pretty bad hamstring injury, and you know it was really really tough to on the rehab and you know went to physical therapist of course. So I kind of really wanted to get involved in that and learn that at the time. So I kind of went down that path, but then I realized that after shadowing, it would kind of be like really repetitive mm. um, things over time. And it would of course be challenging, but I wanted something a little bit more like you don't know what's gonna, what's gonna come about. And you know, something that I feel would be a little bit more exciting. So, <laughs> and I think I made the right choice. Like I, Definitely found a passion with, um, you know, EMS and as well as, you know, the fire side of things, too. Hmm. What attracted your attention to the fire side? Um, so I have a cousin that uh, works for uh, Long Beach Fire right now. Or I guess cousin-in-law. Yeah, Long okay. Beach, California. Um, he really um, kind of, you know, was like, hey, yeah, like... This is great. I love my job. I'm super happy doing this. And then um, also my uncle-in-law works for Lexington Fire Department, or he's retired now. But he was like, you know, like just go go try and volunteer at a mm. place and see what you like. So now I've been, you know, I still live in Eugene, and I've been volunteering for Lane Fire Authority down in down in Eugene, which is kind of like the equivalent to Marion County Fire up here. Okay. Uh, they're really they're really similar, uh, so it's kind of like the you know the county um, agency down there. Uh, so I've been with them for four years now, and that's that's kind of where I cut my teeth before I came up here. What brought you up here? Um, so so I, I applied for I applied for fire department jobs. Didn't get in. Um, didn't get in right away. So I was like, you know, I need to like new paramedic. I need to. I need oh, to really okay. um, find the place that gets me a lot of good, really good experience, um, you know, get some critical calls, mm -hmm. all that. So I had um, people tell me about Falk and I was like, hmm. So, you know, looked, looked you guys up and, you know, and word of mouth comes around and, you know, you guys run critical calls all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always been a great place for um, for people to come and get experience and you know to really learn it's a good cultivating place a lot of new paramedics come here as well so yeah, you guys are very um, I guess used to someone new and used to someone potentially making mistakes along the way mm -hmm. and you know you guys are good at helping paramedics grow so that is yeah. one of the things we pride ourselves on here is uh our new hires and that we know that we're going to have a lot of brand new paramedics around here. Yeah. So what was the transition like going from firefighting over into EMS? Um, so it was, it's definitely different, um, di pretty different systems down there. So down in the Eugene area, every, pretty much every single fire department down there is like has there is a transporting agency. Okay. So like Eugene Springfield, for example, the city department down there, um, they, you know, they transport and then the Lane Fire Authority, they also transport. There's only a few like very small um, volunteer departments that have uh, like engine only response. So there wasn't, there, there is uh, Mid Valley uh, down there, which is a private EMS company, of course, in Eugene, but they don't really, they don't go on the critical 911 calls, like, you mm -hmm. know, like a, like a stroke one, CPRs, they mostly do 
in a facility transport. So that was my option was either, you know, out of paramedic school, go to Mid Valley, you know, work in the ER as an ER tech or, you know, but I really wanted to come to Falk and I was willing to willing to do this commute. <laughs> and, you know, it's been it's been really tough on, um, you know, family time. And, you know, it's been hard doing like a good work life balance. But I figured, you know, this is this is going to be really beneficial for my career right. um, moving forward to get that uh, critical experience up here. Yeah. Well, you definitely found it. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a lot of different calls. And like you were saying, we do get some critical calls every once in a while up here. What kind of call stands out to you or makes you think? Yeah. So I, my, my, especially my first year here, I was definitely a black cloud and like pretty much everyone knew about it. I was just like a raging black cloud. You still are. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty incredible. Um, you know, I, my very first call as a, as a paramedic on my own, like after uh, my FTAP was a gunshot wound right to the abdomen center mass. Oh. So it just started, you know, hit the ground running. <laughs> so I did, you know, I did that. I did, you know, I've done needle decompression, RSI, cardioversion pacing, you know, run codes done all that stuff but definitely the one that sticks out is in I believe it was July 2020 um, we had a um, like an OB call and I ended up like long story short ended up delivering the baby in route to the hospital oh wow oh no <laughs> and it was not a typical birth you know like you know everything runs smooth like it was definitely like uh, I guess we, what you would consider an abnormal birth. Like it okay. did not go as, you know. Oh, now I got to hear the story. Okay, so, so Lauren was my partner at the time. So we're, you know, it's so we worked the 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. So at the time it was medic 12. So now it's medic 11. So it's like 5:15 in the morning, and you know it's sun's rising, beautiful morning. We're we just got moved to post two. You're about to go EOS. You know, yeah. we're, we're going across the bridge and we're like, okay, we're going to go get some gas and we're just going to hang out over there for a minute until we go to EOS. And then, so as soon as we're crossing the bridge, the OB1 call comes in. Boom. Oh. And it's like, it's pretty close. So like, we're definitely going to smoke engine five there. Like, okay. so we get there and dispatch gives us our readout. It's, you know. Uh, 29 year old female she's 39 weeks pregnant um she's having um contractions every about like one to two minutes this is her second child oh, so we're like oh man this oh, is yeah. this could be the real deal so you know we get there we get there a couple minutes before the engine um me and lauren you know we get our ob kid we get all the stuff we walk in um we're met with a uh, husband on the bottom floor and i can hear her in mid contraction and you know, of course, she she's not on the first floor. She's on the upstairs floor. So I'm Murphy's like, oh, law, of course, man. that's how it works. It's like, <laughs> great. We're either gonna deliver her here, or we're gonna have to carry her down. So, so we get up there. She's in mid contraction. Water's broken. You know, you know, all the water's all over the bed. Um. So, but we, you know, so of course we're we're gonna check. Like, hey, is um, you know, is the baby coming right now? So, baby wasn't presenting um quite yet so the engine comes in we're like okay like so i'm getting the history like everything's you know all the prenatal care is good there's no problems with the baby no gestational 
diabetes, you know. Um, so there's, as far as she knows, there's going to be no problems. Baby's normal size. Everything's all good. Oh, no. Why does this feel like it's a lead up? So, <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, so we, we put her on the Mega Mover and, you know, we, we yard her downstairs um, and, you know, put her in the Medic. As soon as we put her onto, onto the gurney and inside the Medic, she has another... Uh, contraction of course so they're like definitely like every like one and a half to one like one minute um between contractions so she has her contraction you know um engine five is riding in of course um so i'm at her um sitting on on patient left at her hip so i check you know baby's not baby's not coming yet baby hasn't presented um so i'm like okay all right we're clear for now lauren we're going we're going code three we're, <laughs> like this is the easy code three down to the hospital no <laughs> doubt and so you know i get i get an iv you know and i'm getting the you know sugar off the iv then she has this another contraction third contraction but she is wailing like she could not have screamed any louder than she could this is different than the other ones and i'm checking and baby has come out like baby's i'm sorry baby's head has come out and not just like you know halfway coming out like the whole baby's head oh. and like it but she can't push anymore like she her contraction's done and so baby's baby is purple um you know completely purple head um i can see the cord uh double wrapped around uh, not once but twice around baby so i'm like mm, okay and she's like mom can you push are you able to push right now she she says no i'm i'm unable to push right now so i'm like okay like we got like like a minute of this right now so what I have to do, you know, I have to, you know, I put my fingers in between uh, baby's neck and the cord, you know, oh. to relieve some pressure off of it. And so I'm thinking like, you know, worst case scenario, this, the baby's bigger than we expected. So I'm thinking, you know, shoulder dystocia um, and hopefully, hopefully we can, you know, put some super pubic pressure on and, you know, um, get the shoulder out. Mm -hmm. So, so a minute goes by, you know, if we're, you know, my... I'm in like kind of like freak out mode. I'm holding it together, but inside I, you know, I'm screaming. Right. So, so a minute comes by, um, she's able to push. I put a little super pubic pressure, but um, end, ends up, um, baby comes out. Um, just fine, the cord is still wrapped around. So baby's completely blue all over. Yes. So APGAR score is pretty, pretty low. Um, I believe it, if I remember, it was like a four or a five. Mm -hmm. So baby wasn't, uh, baby had some, good muscle tone but you know kind of just like like a little bit of grimace but all you know everything's not looking too good and so i unwrap the cord you know peter is over here um from engine five he's on my on my left we're kind of working together mm. drawing off the baby um and you know so baby's barely barely breathing right now so it's like you know, about after about like 10 seconds, um, I, you know, tell off the baby, kind of try and stimulate the baby's back, you know, get it to respond a little bit. Um, so I, you know, take the bulb syringe, like suction out the, the airway a little bit. The baby starts breathing again. Baby starts picking up. I'm like, okay, like <laughs> we're moving in the right direction. We're not gonna, you know, it's not, it's a pretty bad scenario, but it's not the worst case. So, you know, Things are all moving along, then we start giving, then I put the baby on mom's chest, you know, everything's, then after that, everything went according to plan. <laughs> oh everything was good, but man, it was a crazy, 
crazy, crazy call. Oh, so. man. I take it all's well that ends when we get to the hospital and everyone's happy and not crying. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's when I was glad. I was like, this is good. We have a short transport right now. <laughs> but even with that, the baby still came out with despite a short transport. So, yeah. yeah. What did you learn from that? Just, you know, you never know when you're going to get that critical call. Like, you never know when that training, like, that you're going to have to use, um, you know, from either medic school or, you know, is going to come into play. Like, it, those calls don't come in too, like, very often, mm -hmm. like, like a baby delivery, let alone, a, like, a whole career. So... Yeah, just always be always be ready, you know, always kind of just, you know, brush up on on everything and yeah, just, you know, try and work together as a team and, you know, bounce <laughs> things off each other, you know, like when you're scared, you know, you know that, you know. Well, if it helps a preacher, everybody else is scared too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, that'll that'll definitely stick with you. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely riding high on that on that call for like two weeks at least <laughs> <laughs> that one that one was different yeah, yeah. someone's like i got a job and you're like but i delivered a baby <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> so has your view of medicine changed at all since you've been here mm, yeah i would say i would say so there's different definitely some different um some different protocols here like we use um you know, push dose epinephrine. Um, it's a little bit, there's more leniency on when we can RSI and things like that. So it's really, I've definitely learned a lot with how much little, little things here and there can affect the patient for the better. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I've, you know, improved improved tenfold since starting here like Good. from the beginning until the end you know you really this is really to me it's a sink or swim system because you're you know from where i come from it's it's like a double paramedic oh okay um on pretty much every ambulance so you know you you have that kind of like a more like a more experienced paramedic with you potentially to be like yeah to support you and you're like Hey, like, what do you think about this? So then, um, you know, coming here, it's there's really a lot of pressure um, on you to really kind of know your stuff. Um, so, but I, you know, I think for me, it's been it's been very good. I got I got a lot of critical calls early on that really built my confidence up. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, a lot of them went went my way. So that's you know, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, shifting gears a little bit. You mentioned that sometimes you have a hard time balancing family and work. Mm -hmm. What do you do to help balance it or decompress after work? So for me, um, I've always, you know, loved exercising. So after after my shift on work, um, you know, I'm usually pretty tired. Um, the drive home is not easy um, in the in the early morning hours. But when I get home, um, I usually try and you know do a little workout. I'll run like a mile and do like a short little workout after that only a little workout running a mile is only a little workout okay continue <laughs> so i'll do that that'll really help me um you know decompress for you know having a little bit of me time you know shower just kind of flush it all out but then 
Um, what's really the game changer for me is my my wife. She is uh, she's an RN down in Eugene, so mm-hmm. you know she really gets the the medical side of things, of course. So you know, and she works. She also works nights. She'll get off at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get home, she's she also gets home too. So we'll kind of just like bounce each ideas off each other. You know, tell, talk about the night, how it went. So it's really it's really beneficial to have someone that like understands like what we go through. So it's it's really nice having that, um, I guess, support with that. I'm glad you have that kind of support system there. Yeah. Last question. Let's say that we have a listener who is thinking about maybe starting a career in fire and an EMS. What kind of advice would you like to give them? Um, I would say, you know, I, I personally think it's the best job in the whole world. Um, I think it's, I think it's super rewarding. You know, there's, there's of course, you know, you're going to see some, you know, some gruesome things at times, some things that are super unpleasant. But so if, if you, if you have a good support system and good ways to uh, decompress, like you, you, that's a, that's a must. You must have some, a good support system um, or at, at the very minimum, some way to um, decompress from that. And you know, come in, come in working hard. It's it's very, very challenging, but very rewarding. Really take everything, um, you know, give it your all, give it your all on every single call, no matter how, how critical, or if it's just like a lift assist or something, try and make someone's day a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, really, like as you get more experience, ne- never become complacent, never become lazy. Don't always do your 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 good assessment mm-hmm. um try your best not to you know you don't you don't want to be the paramedic or emt that misses something right. that you could have caught um that's some really good advice yeah. well thank you so much for coming in today it was a pleasure having you yeah thank you very much this is great thanks for listening to the Falk salem podcast We welcome any feedback you may have, or if you have suggestions for future content, please send an email to nicholas, that's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S, dot vaneps, V-A-N-E-P-P-S, at falc.com. Thank you for all your hard work, and have a safe shift.